Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 165, Developing a Marketing Plan for Your Game. Presented by Steve Rodoboff, Beth Rimmels, and Jason Pitt. Hi, I'm Steve. Uh, who are you with? I'm, oh, and what is this event? <laughs> I'm Steve with, uh, I'm with the uh, Indie Game Developer Network, the IGDN. Um, and this is the Metatopia, this is our marketing workshop, um, developing a marketing for your plan for your game. In addition to being with the IGDN, what is your personal brand? And my personal brand is Radical Bomb Games. First lesson, marketing people, it's like cobbler's kids don't have shoes. You tend to not take care of yourself. So <laughs> you're so busy taking care of everybody else. Hi, I'm Beth Rimmels. Um, my day job is social media marketing. Um, I have Rising Stars Press, which is developing the game Awesome Eights, which is playtesting here. And I'm also a member of IDGN. My name is Jason Pitt with Genesis of Legend Publishing and the Indie Game Developer Network. I'm currently working on a variety of interesting products such as After the War, Ding, Circles of Power, Ding, and a variety of other fine things that you can buy at Modern Myths right now. Uh, so yes, uh, we are here to create a marketing uh, plan and help people get started. Uh, we have a master among us and two apprentices. <laughs> so. I'm mostly speaking because I have a loud voice, but Beth is the real expert here, and the two of us are on our journey towards following in her prestigious footsteps. <laughs> you guys have learned a lot in the meantime, though. Don't, don't undersell yourselves. Um, so, what is marketing? Marketing is getting the word out about your product, because you can have the best product in the world. If nobody knows anything about it, guess what? You're not going to sell any, or you're only going to sell a handful to the people you're word of mouth. Um, marketing goes hand in hand with sales. Sales is not a dirty word, okay? Um, sales, let me just address that real fast. A lot of people get very uncomfortable, particularly creative types, with the concept of sales. And I don't, don't want to be salesy. Um, all sales is, is giving the people who want your product your product and making sure that you match up. You're not trying to sell, if you are a board game, you know, trying to sell a LARP. You're trying to align and find your customers. That's what marketing helps you to do, and sales helps you to close the deal. So they're not bad words. They're helping you to find your audience. Make sense? Yeah. <laughs> um, want to just run through? Yeah. All right. Like so key question with marketing is what is the thing that you want to make? What is the change that you want to make? Uh, do you want to make a game that uh, relieves people's stress uh, and lets them relax after a difficult day? Do you want to make a LARP that builds a community, that brings people together? Uh, do you want to make a LARP that is just hilarious and makes it raises everyone's spirits? Um, do you want to... Um, make people deeply uncomfortable about, uh, with your game about colonialism. 
all of these things are different things that you might want to uh, make and different changes that you might want to make. You have to determine what you're doing with your product and then communicate that clearly to the people who are interested in that thing. So um, if you're designing a game that is very comedic, you want to find and attract people who like comedy, people who, who do improv. Those are the people who are wanting to hear the message you're communicating and are wanting to take to get your product. So just simply knowing what you're trying to do um, and who are the people who are already passionate and interested in the thing you're trying to do is a massive first step. Yeah. Next point is you don't want to sell to everybody. First big mistake for any industry, any field, when you say to somebody, okay, who's your target market? And somebody says to me, everyone, you have not done your homework. Because really not everyone is your target market. First of all, there's few products that that applies to. And even for those products, there's going to be variances within those products. Okay, so yes, everybody may have to buy, I'll be blunt, toilet paper, but not everybody necessarily wants the same features and everything else for the same brand. So if you're thinking that you're going to make a game that is for everybody, that's your first big mistake because there's no such thing. Figure out who your market is and who you're targeting. So is it a story game? Is it a combat-heavy game? Is it an electronic game? Is it a LARP? Whatever. You have to figure out who your audience is because if you're marketing to everybody, you're going to reach no one. And you can really take that down and really drill down to be very, very specific. Um, and it's okay that you're, yes, you're probably getting to leaving some people out who will buy your game eventually by getting really specific. That's okay. Um, an adage I like is, you know, a, three cowboys don't drive a thousand cattle. They drive ten. Those ten influence a hundred. Those hundred influence a thousand. So you don't have to drive, you know, try to get every customer. You want to get a small group that's going to be passionate about your product that they will tell their friends and they will tell their friends why it's great. Get those people on board to help sell it for you later. Um, so really, really narrow down that target audience that's really as specific as you can for your game. Yeah, are you, are you pitching more to men versus women or the other way around? Kids, family games, are you doing the crude party humor game? Whatever. Know who your audience is. You're going to probably attract outside of that, but you've got to know who your audience is. So there's functionally two ways that you can be making people talk about your game. You can be broadcasting. We'll do Facebook ads. We'll post in magazines. Um, we'll pay for sponsorships. This is one way of reaching out by effectively pushing money at the problem uh, to hit the widest audience and hit the most uh, people as possible. You can be targeted with that and it can have good results. Here's the thing that all of you actually want to be doing because we all have tight budgets if we're sitting in this room. The best marketing you can have is to have a compelling quality game with a distinct voice that tells good stories. You want to be selling anecdotes. You want everyone who plays your game to have an awesome story about that thing they did when they played that game. And then tell their friends about that awesome thing that happened 
uh, in when they played that game last Tuesday. Because then that person can pick it up, play a game, um, compare and contrast. Even maybe they didn't like this thing on the left, but they like this thing on the right. Now, now you've got an argument. That argument has just spread out to 10 people. Um, that You want anecdotes because they are both uh, a sign that your product is genuinely of high quality and therefore people are going to be satisfied by the purchase. And two, it's cheap, 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 effective marketing because that's how you spread word of mouth. It doesn't work on Gillette. You don't use this for toilet paper because um, they're too big. Their audiences are, like, you can't word of mouth toilet paper. Um, But for our industry, because we're so small, this is super powerful. Use it. Yeah. And content is totally king. And content, of course, is going to vary by what you're doing. Are you doing a board game? Are you doing a LARP? Are you doing an RPG? But what in your content makes it compelling, attracts people, your imagination, your ability to create a good game is your best marketing as opposed to trying to compete on something like, say, a retail marketing level, which is really nice if you can do it. But like, you don't want to compete with people on um, cheapest quality because something else will always come out that's cheaper. You know, and there's, there's, you know, if you're doing something that's really beautiful and gorgeous, that's wonderful. That's great. Um, but you can also sell a fantastic game with more simple graphics and things like that. Maybe it's not quite as slick and as heavy um, because it's just so compelling. So content's completely in your control as far as, you know, how to market your game. Um, let me raise an example. So who here has heard of Fiasco? How shiny is that book? Is it a beautiful, like, a thousand pieces, big fantasy flight board game? Is it 400 pages long, full of, um, like, super deep setting? Well, then why, why, why do all of you know about that game? Right. Yeah, but how do you know about the experience? I played it. Why did you play it? I bet you everyone who raised their hand said that the exact same thing. Someone told me it was awesome. And, if and ju- it's a Jason Morningstar game. So. Well, mm. well, yeah. But, but that proves the content argument. And but that's co- brand marketing. Well, yes. But, the, <laughs> but, the, uh, but also, too, I mean, come on. What has simpler graphics than Cards Against Humanity? It was the concept. Yeah. You don't have to have the slickest of everything. Now, slick is nice. If you Production can values are great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you want to make things that foster conversations. Designers should talk about areas of the design. GMs should talk about how it's run. Players should remember and talk about their play experiences. You want... Uh, there's actually a really interesting discussion from Vincent Baker, who made Apocalypse World. There's some elements of that role-playing game which are intentionally... Uh, difficult to parse, intentionally a bit obscure, to make people have to interact with the text, examine the text, talk about it, and explore it in more depth. And it was wildly successful um, for that reason. Now, granted, there's there's philosophical arguments against that, but, but the fact that it fostered a conversation 
means that it it amplified the power of the actual product itself. Um, this is where the the old maxim of controversy sells comes from. It's just this principle. Um, don't sell versus controversy. But that's that is how you can use marketing for evil. None of you are going to be using marketing for evil because you're we all hope. good people. Yeah. <laughs> and don't try and do everything at once. You know, you can't tackle everything all at the same time. So, yes, I always tell people for social media, in fact, some of you guys were in my prior panel, um, the minute you have the name of your game and the name of your company, grab those off of social media and grab the domain name and everything else. But you don't have to start them all at once. Okay, because you will wear yourself out, particularly since I'm presuming for all of you, this is your side work. You have a day job, probably families. Don't make yourselves crazy. Don't try and do everything at once. Pick one, start with it, build it up, and then move on to the next or as you get help and so forth. So you always want to reserve the names, but you don't have to make yourself crazy trying to do 100 things at once. You will burn out. Don't do that. Um. Pixie's going to be your thing, too. Uh, why don't you go talk about people, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, kind of to, this kind of goes back to when we are talking about your audience and who your audience is, um, or things you want to show, is you want to show people have this idea, and they may not know it intentionally, but it's people like us do things like this. Um, so, I've recently developed a game about or it's it's an app game and it's got um people doing uh impressions of voices and movie quotes and i really thought hey you know i think college kids will want to play this so i went to a college and i got some college kids to play it and i videoed them playing it so that when i market to other college students they can see college students playing it because when they see me playing it that I'm not one of them, and they're going to say, oh, that's for old guys and not not other college students. I want them to see college kids playing it and having fun and laughing so that they can say, oh, that's those are people like me, and they're enjoying this game. I might enjoy this game too. So that's just something to really think about is that people like us do things like this, and that goes in all across the board. Um, I mean, that's... Even like Apple computers, people buy apples because hey, I'm I'm a creative person, and creative people buy Apple products. So I'm going to buy an Apple product. That's so. I mean, that's very universal. So use that. Try to think of that. Show you know when you have your audience targeted, try to show people that are like that using it um, to appeal to them. Which is why, by the way, how to play videos and Twitch and all that stuff, that's part of their appeal, is that you're getting to see people like you doing things, as well as the demo aspect. By the way, I would highly recommend uh, look up on YouTube or the TED Talk website. It's a TED Talk by Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. And it's a really famous one. It's one of the first TED Talks that went viral. But he talks about a combination of brand marketing, marketing in general, and what your company's philosophy and, and goals are. And he uses Apple versus TiVo as an example. And it's brilliant. And it's very entertaining. It's only 15 minutes. And you will get a lot of material out of that. It's called Why Ask Why. Yes. 
Yeah. Figure out the why behind what you're doing. Um, so, um, so if you are trying to produce a game that is going to be in retail, you are running into a very different situation compared to a game that is trying to go into Kickstarter or direct sale. These are all different audiences and have different needs. We actually, um, like, let's talk about uh, baseline versus Kickstarter marketing, and then we'll talk about how those interact with the product quality yep. first. Yep. So our industry is, what, 80% Kickstarter marketing? At this point now, yeah. You don't hear about things. You, you get notified of what a company is doing by what their current Kickstarter is. Um, so you're going to be spending a lot of your time doing that. Uh, when you're doing Kickstarter marketing, you are looking to uh, present a clear explanation of what your product is. Um, usually with good art, even if it's only two pieces. Good quality art shows that you are willing to invest a, a bit of money in it, which is a, a silent signal that you care about the project, therefore that you'll do a good job. It's privileged, but that's how our brains work. Um, you want to have other people from different audiences giving signals that uh, uh, they support you either on a freelance basis or through other means. Uh, that's why you'll see a ton of games that have, uh, in the role-playing game space particularly, that have a ton of stretch goal writers. Look, this person will write something for me, and this person will write something for me. Uh, one of the most famous examples of this was uh, Hill Folk by Pelgrane Press. I think roughly a quarter of the entire industry contributed on that product. Storium, too. Oh, yeah, and Storium. Storium, Storium you leveraged that beautifully. Yeah. So because of that, you aren't using your network. You're using your network and theirs and theirs and theirs. And uh, suddenly um, you find out that um, this person has an experience has experience with horseback riding in Uzbekistan, and now people who like horseback riding in Uzbekistan have heard about your game. So, taking advantage of all those networks of connections. And to tie into that, as you're playing those stretch deals, don't make sure you're not just using all the people that are in your network. Make sure you're stretching out and getting people who aren't, don't necessarily just are friends with each other. <coughs> you know, get spread that out get try to make sure you're going different directions with those people also another difference between your baseline everyday marketing versus your kickstarter marketing is it's going to affect the proportions of the content that you're putting out like on social media or in your content marketing and things um the general rule of thumb is that you don't want to spend all your time talking about yourself most of the time uh and that's big mistake a lot of people make but think about it if you go to a party and a person standing there in the corner telling you how fabulous they are and how great they are and how much money they make and all this stuff and it's all me 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 don't you get sick of that don't you avoid those people don't you walk away from those people the first opportunity same goes with marketing but people see big companies do that and they think that they can emulate it 
But the big companies were already big companies. People sign up for Disney's Facebook page to get the updates for what Disney's doing. Not necessarily, you know, you're different. Um, and as you're building the brand, you want to engage your audience. If you're only talking about you, people don't necessarily like that. So in social media, we talk about the 80-20 rule. So you want to spend 80% of your time sharing content. You can do 70-30, but 80-20 is the average. Um, you want to spend time creating content and sharing content that your audience is going to find interesting, entertaining, and or informative, okay? The other 20% time is when you talk about yourself. But when you're in the midst of marketing a Kickstarter and in the lead up to having a Kickstarter, those proportions change because obviously you are doing something for a very concentrated period of time. Yes, you're going to be focusing on the Kickstarter. Now, you can still bring in some other stuff, like maybe uh, if you've done your homework and you've sent your game out to reviewers and you got them to time their reviews during your Kickstarter, then you can be sharing the reviews of your thing during your Kickstarter. So you're still kind of talking about yourself, but you're also sort of sharing them. It's a little bit of a gray area. Um, but yeah, so that's a, another difference between what your everyday marketing does versus what your Kickstarter marketing does. It's going to change those proportions. Um, and honestly, helping other people yeah. is the best uh, brand marketing, baseline marketing you can possibly have. Um, I've run multiple successful Kickstarters based on the fact that I'm running a podcast that is releasing these audio recordings so all of you can come back and listen to the RPG Design panel cast and listen to all the panels that you're missing right now that are running in other rooms. <laughs> By doing that, all of you have paid attention to me. And you like me a little bit, just a little bit. And I can leverage that to tell, to tell you, oh, Ed, I have a Kickstarter on, in March. Back it. You know, if I convert 1% of you, that's good money. Yeah. And that's ba it's basically... <laughs> that, that's success. And it's basically a type of relationship marketing. And by the way, it's also just general life advice. Um, by the way, I also recommend uh, Russell Simmons' book, Do You? And it's 10 tips for success in life and business and everything else. And one of the tips is always have something to bring to the table. You know, so have something that you can do that you can offer. And sometimes, you know what? That's just offering good playtest advice. Being a good listener and, and things like that. So don't feel like, oh, well, I got, I'm brand new in the industry. I've got nothing to offer. You've got your enthusiasm. You've got giving clear advice in a play test. You've got amplifying the signal. So like if you play test, you know, one of Jason's games, one of Steve's games, and, you know, you like to hear it play test. Well, guess what? You can then share that information with your network and recommend it to people. You know, life is reciprocity, even in marketing. Uh, so, um, in terms of production quality, uh, in Kickstarter, it's a bit of a black box on what the product is going to be. You you try, you have to be clear on what you're offering and offer that. But it doesn't matter what the shelf appeal is, for the most part, on what people get as a Kickstarter reward, so long as the product is good. If it's a direct sale, it has to be clear what the product is. And you have to be able to pitch it. Uh, you have to have a very clear message of what your product is that you can communicate. But for retail, that's when this seriously needs to look professional. Um, and we're talking professional graphic design, uh, professional art. Um, 
you can there are uh, gatekeepers in place there are uh, approachable ways in um, but through the big people there's some there's some solid barriers in place uh, and the only way to get past those barriers is honestly to produce something that looks like a professionally done product uh, take your, your prototype put it uh, on a game store shelf and see what it looks like in compared to all of its competitors to the left and the right if you wince you need more work on it before it will be able to really succeed in retail context because quite frankly there's a good bit of well that's shiny I'll pick it up and then find out what it is you need that well that's shiny element first um, or it's just going to stay on the shelf and it doesn't matter how amazing the game is no one's going to notice it and by the way, so much factors into your marketing, including like your graphic design. So if you're doing a dark and gray game, you probably don't want cartoony images. You know, all that stuff as far as how you're packaging things, all factors into your marketing, even if it doesn't. I mean, in, in, on the surface, it may not seem like it, but it's all about either reinforcing your message and your brand and what you're trying to accomplish with a given game or possibly moving people away from it. Because how many times have you actually gone to a movie and it turned out to be a different movie than what you thought it was and you were pissed? You don't want to do that. You know? Um, yeah. You were talking about retail and going to a store and putting it on the shelf. What about online retail? So online retail doesn't have that shelf. Online retail is a direct sale, functionally. You need to have a product image, but really people are reading text. And you want to have that text. And reviews. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, the reviews are key for online marketing. If it's on your own website or a website that, because um, a lot of times, even if you're handing it out to online retailers, you're still giving them a package of, say, graphics and blurbs, and you want those blurbs to have, like, the right keywords, the right description, and everything else. In fact, if at all, if you're giving it to any kind of online retailer and you can provide that, you're way better off than letting them fake it because then you can make sure it's consistent with your message. I heard this in another panel, and I don't know if any of you have any strong opinions, but someone was saying that um, if you uh, go Kickstarter, it's difficult to go retail, not impossible, but difficult, or if you go uh, direct, you know, then it's also difficult to go retail. Um, not really. Uh, because if you are, one, if you're able to raise enough capital to produce a high-quality product in large print quantities... To drop your costs, it becomes affordable for you to be able to enter into retail. Um, do like just in books, printing two hundred copies of a book might cost you fifteen bucks a copy. Printing a thousand copies of that will make it seven. When you're selling into distribution, you're making fifteen dollars a copy from that sale to distribution. So you really want to be have your price point at seven bucks your manufacturing costs. So yeah, no, you you really need it for the economies of scale and it, pulling off, look, we ran a successful Kickstarter campaign worth $300,000, $400,000, means that the distributor will look at that and go, oh, this, this is not terrible. There's an audience of at least 2,000 people who gave money for this. Okay, we'll, we'll get some. Um, now, there are some retailers who will disagree. Uh, and there are some retailers, retailers who run shops that are entirely selling magic cards. 
there's a wide variety of retailers with a wide variety of opinions on this matter. It's the distributors who buy. And the distributors don't say that. It's some retailers that do. And by the way, I know the panel that he's referring to. Um, when Jason gets them up on his uh, his RPG panel cast, I would highly pay attention to that one because they got into a lot of things as far as like boxes and and graphic design and things like that. Um, so it was basically the panel of uh, designing for uh, retailers and distributors. And there's a lot of good advice in that panel, even if you disagree on this one little point. Because there's a lot of great stuff there as far as like how to make a game that looks good on a shelf. Yeah. Um, no matter what, if it looks good, that will put you miles ahead of any other situation. Uh, so uh, we'll, let's just run through this and then mm-hmm. uh, do the actual plan. Okay. Uh, so uh, there is a natural progression you want. First, you want people aware that your product exists. Next, you want people to be following your kinds, your products in general, and you know, generally knowing, hey, this is the new thing coming. Next, you want them to be a fan. I mean, this is their uh, Acme Company's products are great. Then you want them to be effectively the knowledgeable super fan who consumes all the products and knows all the products and can tell people about it to raise awareness mm-hmm. and convince the people aware to become followers and the followers to become fans and when we say followers that can be they're following you on facebook it can be they're following you on twitter or on instagram wherever you're using there it can also be they've signed up to an email newsletter on your site email newsletters are great and mailchimp makes it really cheap uh, cheap and easy don't use constant contact though their deliverability rates are awful they are (laughs) don't use constant contact because their deliverability rates are terrible um, also, to their customer service is worse. Um, and I've subscribed to newsletters uh, via constant contact. And all of a sudden, just one day, they just stop. Um, because uh, uh, MailChimp, however, is, is cheap and easy. Um, I think for like the first 1,000 followers or something, no. it's free. 2,000, yes, yeah, free. Yeah. Um, so start there. Yeah, free. absolutely. Yeah. MailChimp. MailChimp. Another good service is a Weber. Like if you know, if you have some experience with things and you're willing to put some money into it, a Weber is really powerful. Uh, but you're going to be paying from day one is the drawback to a Weber. A Weber? Yeah, A-W-E-B-E-R.com. It's just they have like a lot more templates and they'll, they also have customized templates that you can use for email newsletters like on holidays. And they're a more robust platform, but that's why you're paying for it from day one. That said, MailChimp's really good and you're starting off free. So one of those two. Don't do constant contact. All right. So that is the exposition portion of the show. Now, you all have tables and sheets in front of you. Um, if anyone is missing a marketing plan, we've got one here that's available. Everyone in the back has it. Okay. Uh, fantastic. Yep. There so, there's two sides. There is the collaboration page and the reflection page. Uh, so, you want to, uh, with your table, each of you individually should try to answer the, I believe it's six questions on the collaboration page. Then, uh, explain it to each other at the table. Then decide which of the three of you has the strongest pitch. Because we might make some of you tell us about it. 
Well, you guys are like six right here, so if you could do like three and three, just to make it a little yeah. more manageable. Yeah. <laughs> you can opt out of the presentation half of it, but it's good to know that you're trying to impress each other and explain to each other clearly what you're doing. Um, and guess what? It also means you're marketing with everyone else at the table, and they will actually know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, ten minutes. Should go circle. Or do you want to give him a second to do that? Yeah, let's go circle.